Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is David Moyes. This is Yapstam. This is Bruno Lage. This is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Gas Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. This is the big interview with David Moyes, part two, part two. If you listen to part one, part one, you'll understand what I mean. There's so much more to being a football manager these days. And in this section of the interview, David Moyes walks us through dealing with supporting Andrei Yarmolenko, the Ukrainian whose family was caught up in the war since Russia invaded in his home country. Our guest also breaks down Declan Rice, in my view, a phenomenal footballer, and why David believes that the 22-year-old still has room for improvement. Finally, he's going to give us an insight into one of his main strengths, recruitment, and how the goalposts have moved in the last two years, with West Ham now buying players to try and compete in at least the top six of the Premier League. This is David Moyes in full flow. Enjoyable, interesting, West Ham manager. If you could relive one match, you could relive one match in your manager managerial career, which would it be? Relive one match. I've got to say, I had an unbelievable thrill this year beating Seville at home. I've got to say because it was... I had nearly planned the event. I hope if the board were here, they would say it. I had a board meeting the week before and I said, look, I think we'll get the game to extra time. I think we'll get, get in front a season. I think we'll probably win in extra time or penalties. And I hope that if they were here, they would probably probably say yeah I did so it was nearly planned in the way it worked so I probably got a lot of pleasure out of that but there's so many games in my career I could say you know we beat Birmingham City in the, uh, at Preston North End in the semi-final to make the playoff final which we lost to Bolton in the final I lost to Villarreal that goal that should the have goal, stood big Duncan's goal should have stood which you know, would have given us a chance to be in the Champions League so there's things in football I've lost an FA Cup final I beat Manchester United in penalty kicks at Wembley in a semi-final FA Cup. So there's things in your career which you which you remember. But you know, there's some 
I, I was thinking about it the other day. I was saying, is, how many managers do you think go into the business and actually don't really have any success? And, and it must be the majority. You know, I don't know. What, maybe somebody will be able to start or think about it. So there'll be, there'll be some really fortunate managers or some really good managers. Oh, I think of Jurgen or Pep or that, Sir Alex and all the ones who would say, hey, Josie, hey, Josie, the, the, I mean, Josie must need I mean, a new cabinet, you know, for what he's won in his time. But there'll be a lot of others, like myself, who probably had a really good career, fought, tried to win it, tried to be in finals, doing everything we can. And there'll be a lot like that. And I don't think that... If winning the trophies is really the, the outcome, well, that's very hard for very few. So there's so many other managers who work really hard, don't quite get to that, and probably the majority don't. will never be Josie Mourinho or Sir Alex Ferguson. One of the things I say again that drew us back here was watching you be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, because some managers will be happy if, if they've got a massive salary, or some managers will be happy if they've got the fans chanting the name trophy mm-hmm. or no trophy. But to see you go and... I am where I should be. Mm-hmm. I'm applying my ideas. They're working. Yeah. I've been given support and time. Because yeah. you, you talked about in Real Sociedad, you, you said that every manager has to have a bit, a bit of poison in his life. Mm-hmm. Well, at the moment, even though I will say now they made a mistake after you saved them yeah. from relegation, not going, saying, right, continuity, David. Yeah. They've given you, it's clear, enough support yeah. and space to enact your own ideas, to, to let your personality and your coaching mm-hmm. and, your, and your voice in the player mm-hmm. choice this is really, mm-hmm. as much as it can be in the modern day, this is your project. Mm-hmm. So success can also be, actually, hopefully you're well paid, but hopefully you get a trophy. But yeah. happiness is something you never hear yeah. any coach being able to talk about. Just no. N- no. no. Yes, uh, like the, job, the job is a great job. We're really fortunate to be in this world, and we're all happy. But, you know, when you come a Saturday night, I mean, it's, it's something which... Uh, an awful lot about mental health at the moment yeah. in all sorts of aspects... The mental health aspect of the managers when we lose, because obviously we, we have to deal with you boys, the media mm-hmm. boys, we have to deal with, you know, we've just come off the, you know, the crowd, we've just know, maybe known that you've got directors up the stairs uh, you know, staring down at you. It's a big, big thing, because in, again, going back to it, there's not, no, not many managers are winning every Saturday afternoon. You know, and if you actually look at, we play in the main sort of 38, 40 games a season, most teams, you know, a lot of the managers are only winning 10, 12 games. You know, 10 games, t- winning 10 games in the Premier League might keep you up. You think of all the weekends which are having bad times. So the job's great, but it's a lot of down times. There's a lot of bad times in football management as well because you just don't win as often. Now, if you're really lucky and have the top teams, but what comes from having the top teams is huge, huge pressure as well because you're expected to win. You're expected to score, you're expected to win well so that's what the role is but we're all in it, I've done over a thousand games now and I'm, I'm hanging in there But in that mental health aspect about there, there are many, many managers some of which you'll know as well as Jim McLean talked about just ignoring his family and saying to his kids when he yeah. thought, you know, I, I was a, I was yeah. a terrible father yeah. There was a big interview in France Football years ago when Alec Ferguson talked about sitting in his office in Carrington Silva winter afternoon yeah. where the majority of the work was done but he was still yeah. and he was he, he used the expression you're sitting there sometimes praying for something to knock on the door because you're alone and he said I'll never keep drinking mm-hmm. in the office because yeah. it's just there calling yeah. to you mm-hmm. <laughs> now managers are both happy and mm-hmm. successful Alex Ferguson yeah. they don't come many more than, than mm-hmm. him we Jim was yeah. extraordinary but nobody really was there to help them maybe their wives mm-hmm. with mental health 
What are the things that change you over the years about being able to deal with it, or is it really always just as tough? It's tough, but I think probably the hardest thing for managers is time constraint now. I see yeah. that. Now, you mentioned right at the start about you know games. You could have Europe, your games. Uh, we have so much more video work to do, to watch. Now, when you said Sir Alex might have the afternoon off, now, nearly every afternoon we would have video of some some description to hours to do that the media outlets now are much much greater we ask too much of you there's a huge amount of media work to be done for the managers so actually the time you get you get where you get given with your with your wife or your family or whoever you choose to be with has become really really limited and even you know you look at this close season for all the managers no, just back, back into pre-season, not long finished, we're about to go into a World Cup, we're going to have to keep the season going longer. I've got to say, I I think the, the amount of work the managers are putting in at the moment is, is huge now. And it, it might be the reason why, look, I was at Everton for 11 and a half years, mm-hmm. I don't know if too many people are going to do that sort of length of time anymore at mm-hmm. any, any club. I watch elite managers who are on really big satellites go, I won't be unhappy to be changing club every two years. Yeah, Carlo sure. Ancelotti, yeah. who's just taken a record about being the only guy to win a title in all the big five and he's Incredible. won in Champions League. Carlo does about two years a job. Yeah, that's right. Now, it shouldn't have been him at Everton, it should have no. been you. Yes. Can I put that on the record? At the time it was, yeah. Don't know, I don't yeah. know quite how he flipped that. Yeah. That was a shocker yeah. by Everton, putting that on the record. But he's one, he's an example. Tuchel's yeah. an example too. Pep's not, but there are a lot of coaches... Mm-hmm who, if they can succeed quickly at an elite club and then hop on to the next one, Mourinho's become one of those yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. It's not about length it's not, of service. It's not length anymore, Big salary, no. quick win, mm-hmm. move on. Right. Quite happy. Yeah. There's about six or eight really big clubs. Yeah, that's right. So maybe once maybe you were up, up in that rarefied yeah. atmosphere, life is actually yeah. really better and easier. Yeah. Well, look, I've, I've, I think, even the way I am, the way I feel, the way I coach, the way I manage, I think that my best years are to come. Yeah, that's, the way I, that's the way I work now, So, and, and I have to tell myself that as well. But will I go on to work as long as Sir Alex or maybe uh, uh, Roy Hodgson or that? Probably not, because I think that looks uh, that looks a long way away. Yeah, it'll depend on you and yeah. your energy, because if the yeah. talent's there, the demand will be that's there. Right. So we'll wait and see. Yeah. Can I give you credit as well? I, maybe you'll say... It wasn't me, or yeah. I thought Yarmolenko was a situation that, if there were strange things which might retrospectively have been beneficial about an empty stadium because of a pandemic, which none of us wanted and hurt all of us and hurt mm-hmm. society, to have a player whose country is attacked at war, and have a player who presumably has had choices to make about you know going back and helping loved mm-hmm. ones, some footballers wanted. Uh, the little kid at City wanted to go back and fight and City mm. had to persuade mm. him not to. Yarmolenko was under your control and, and however you handled him, and thanks for putting him in such good form mm. to toss Scotland out of the World Cup. <laughs> I deeply appreciate yeah. that. And he was brilliant yeah, against Wales was too. Fantastic, what a player. Yeah. What did you do? What were your objectives? How, how do you feel about that retrospectively? Hell of a challenge, David. Uh, look, yeah. Well, you really need to take the, the, the being a football manager out of it. It was just what you would try and do as a human being. He had family still in Ukraine. Uh, strange enough, his wife and kids, one of his kids had gone back. They had somebody had to go back for. And, and when it really all kicked off, so we were really un- under pressure behind the scenes. And we were try- he, I knew he was trying to get out. So he was at home, but he was so, so upset. 
he was so upset with the whole thing, as we all were. And, and, and you know, we can all feel it, you know, yourself. You can imagine it, all, couldn't you? It was, it was terrible. He was in tears most days about it, and we all were, because it was, it was so, so hard to take. So we stayed away. He was off for a few weeks, which we, it wasn't a problem. We had so many calls. He was trying to get people out, parents... And it, I think he get when he when he came back in. I think in a way he he nearly sort of said no. He was he was in a way so respectful because I think he realised the help he was getting not from not from me or not from. I think he was realising the help from all round. It, 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 we were in England, you know the the support that were given Ukraine, uh, the players. But you know. To be those players, to be, I mean, I could, well, I couldn't imagine, you know, if it's something happened up to you in Scotland, you know, we're we both from Scotland, you know. So you're, really, you're isolated from your family. You know, you're away from your family, your parents are maybe in a bunker, which he said that his, his mum and dad were. I mean, so in the end, I, I, I know that I think he got them out in the end, but it, it wasn't quick, it was... It was a couple of months down the line, maybe not a couple of months, but certainly a month or more down the line. And, and I've got to say... He played really well for us. He scored us a couple of really important goals. And I always think that football's got a little bit of a twist in it. There's there's bad times in football, but there's something about football, there's a magic moment for everybody at somewhere at it. Something's you coming keep, to you. You keep sort of persevering, don't give up. You know, something you hope will come along and, and it'll work for you. And like we had made our mind up long before the war that we would we would let Yamalenko go. At the end of the season, but he really helped us with a couple of really important goals, and I found his company. I really enjoyed his company. At the end, he was they all the players did. He was a, he was a funny guy, and we liked him. It's something you look back on with pride. I think about being well. Yeah. It's not a challenge you want as yeah. a man manager. Not at all. Who's the best player you've ever managed? Now, obviously, being a boss, you can decide how to interpret mm-hmm. best pound yeah. for pound, best individual player, best fun, best has given you back, but. Uh, on any of those terms, David, who's the best player you've ever managed? The best player I've ever managed would be Wayne Rooney. But I had Wayne at different times. I had Wayne, so it's easy to say because I probably didn't have Wayne at the best time. But I had Wayne as a boy, so what Wayne was would, would be the one who would be, be that. But, you know, I've had, I've had so many players over my time where I'm saying it's difficult. And even when I went to Manchester United, you know, there was some... Unbelievable players at Manchester United, really was incredible, incredible players. But you know, the players I had at Everton over the years, you know, were were really good for different. We brought Tim Cahill from Millwall, and he was he was sensational for us. You no, know, not because he was the best ever football pound but for pound, pound for pound. You know, so I think sometimes in the career of a manager, you need to be a little bit fortunate. I believe I was really lucky when I went in and I had Wayne Rooney. When I've come to to West Ham, especially say that I've been really lucky that I've I've got a Declan Rice who's improved and moved on and, and helped us a lot. So I think on your journey as a manager, sometimes you need a bit of luck where you turn up and hey, you've got a couple of really good players. And at different times in my career, I've been really lucky. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think this might be a struggle for me here because you're going to push back but I've been watching Declan Rice since I became aware of him and okay each year he's maybe got better but that's a proper footballer in in terms of attitude physique how he can impose himself from the game I see areas where at his age he probably still should be looking to improve and I know given how rigorous you are in terms of I want this now I need this in your position but you know, he he had been played at centre half mm-hmm. or in organising midfield. He's probably not like Busquets in terms of quite mm-hmm. where he yeah. uses the ball yet. But he's a player that gives me so much enjoyment when I watch him. Tell us the things that we maybe don't understand or don't see about Declan Rice as a as a trainer, as a leader, as a footballer. Well, what he is is he's somebody who's incredibly improved. When I first came, we played him centre half. Yeah. You no. Know, no, he was he was between was he a centre half was he a was he a, a midfield player. So I have to I have to give a lot of credit to Manuel Pellegrini who put him in as a midfield player in between my my stints my two stints so he put him in and and, uh, and sort of gave him the opening starts more as a midfield player. But the bit people won't see about Declan is he's a great great lad. He's a he's a he's a great boy to work with. He's he's very polite. He does all the things and he he does a. But what the biggest thing I've tried to get him this year is to watch Mark Noble. To watch Mark Noble, how he interacts with the players, how he interacts with his staff, how he how he's actually interacts with the, the directors when that those times have come. Now Declan's only twenty two. <laughs> so it's really difficult when as we all know, the maturity you have when you're twenty two to say you're twenty eight is huge. So if we're asking Declan at the moment to stand up and be a, a big, big leader. Mm-hmm. So every time he goes away with England, I, I'm always saying to him, I hope you're watching Harry Maguire and, and Harry Kane, and I hope you're watching all the top boys and seeing how they're working, because he has to bring that back to us <laughs> to help us. And I've got to say, I think he's done really well. But this will be, be a wee bit of a test because we've lost Mark Noble, so... Mm-hmm. We're seeing if Declan can... But your natural assumption, you're not an assumer, is mm-hmm. if he's as good as, as he looks, yeah. he'll naturally go, oh, all right, that, that's my that's space it. now. I, yeah. can, I, I want that duty that he has. Yeah. He's, he, maybe not in my way, but everybody chafes to say, OK, yeah. big boy, get out of my way. I, my guess, having watched him so far, I, I find huge enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Because he's a, he's a blend of things that you, I, I think you didn't always get in the English game. And I think we're going to see more clever passes from him. I think that's mm-hmm. within your capacity to teach. I think it's within his range. Mm-hmm. But everybody forgets he's 22. He's played in a yeah. European final, European yeah. semi-final. Yeah. He looks like a natural leader to me. And, and the enthusiasm for the game, mm-hmm. I really... Uh, uh, he's, got, he's got great hunger. And, look, he has, he's, got, he's got things that he, he has to improve in. There's no doubt. But he's got speed, ability to regain the ball, turn the ball over quickly. 
He's an incredibly good passer of the ball, but needs to, to do it more often, needs to take risk with the ball. So this last season, he actually he worked to get forward a lot more. Yeah. And in some, some ways, it worked, and it showed he's got ability to get in and around the box. He's a really, really good shooter. You know, he's a really good shooter. So we're trying to encourage him this year to, you know, to take on more because he's got that ability. But the difference with Declan is, is he also does a great job at recovering and he's yeah. an, he probably might be better playing behind the ball and coming on to things and seeing it. But, you know, there's probably more development. He could play further up the pitch if we if That's we the thing. To do it. You, you talked about, because it's a big word to use, accepting risk. Mm-hmm. If you're a player who thinks you're a leader and you're, you know, you're the badge and the fans are really important, playing behind the ball isn't just slightly less risky. It's where you feel, I'm in charge of all of this. Mm-hmm. That risky thing is where yeah. if you do something special, some of the times, n- nobody in, in La Liga over the last 15 years has lost the ball more than Leo Messi. Yeah. He's quite a good player. Yeah. Yeah. So that risk of accepting, sometimes it won't come off. Yeah. And judging, like, right. now's the time to take the risk because the, the, exactly a, a split-second right. decision about what's in behind, yeah. it's worth the risk now. Yeah. That's maybe something yeah. where, with Mark away... No, you're you're definitely right, and he has to be. He has to go on to that. And you know, there was I, I can see it. There was a couple of games right at the end of the season. We we no, we were working on him to try and make sure he's he's playing more positive passes and through balls and and maybe winning passes as well. And if he can do that, then you know, if he can step up to that, he'll he'll be there. But scoring goals as well, big part of it. But he's a really good boy and big future. Well, I, I'm thrilled to have. Heard you saying that. Um, I, I suppose I have to finish now because we're drawing to an end. On maybe, however you want to, whatever take you want to have on on recruitment, because you've proved throughout your life that you're very good at it, and there are a variety of reasons for that. It's probably never been more difficult to recruit well for a number agents, mm-hmm. languages, um, costs, hidden costs. Um, freedom of contract, all these kind of things. You've recruited really well at West Ham. Is that something that you've delegated less? Because it's it's famous mm-hmm. between you and I about the Ander Herrera phone call, and yeah. you did get that player in the end. Yeah, yeah. But I won't be rushed. Yeah. I need eyes on yeah. Tim Cahill, who you're maybe your mm. best pound for pound down in a Jagger, a Rolls yeah. Royce yeah, in the East right. End and, with yeah. people battering the yeah. car. Yeah. How are you handling that now? Because you've got more, you've got more help yeah, now, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, we have. I still feel as if, if I mean, look, I think managers are, all live or die by their recruitment. You'll probably lose your job if you don't recruit particularly well. You know, not always, but it's got a big part to play in it. So I think getting good recruitment is really, really vital. As I said, we started well with the Czech boys. We're now moving on. Now we bought players when we came in. We bought players to finish outside the bottom three in the Premier League we are saying we don't want to be one of these teams at the bottom and, and we, the, the reason we got the job was because West Ham were in a relegation situation in two occasions so when we stayed on the second time we, we were still saying hey we're trying not to be but we had an unbelievable year two years ago we went from fourth bottom of the league to you know, pushing fifth and sixth in the, in the Premier League and we sort of continued that so the level of player, the difference we are looking for from two years ago to where we are now, we're looking to buy players who can get us in the top six. Yeah. Or keep us in the top six. Yeah. So that in itself is a different challenge. But I have to say the club have been really good as far as they're you know, they're they're putting the finances up, they're they're giving me every opportunity to try and do that. 
But we're still building. And while you're doing that, is if you try and say, well, we're going to buy the top boys in, this is my experience telling me that it's not the way to go. There's a, you, you, you put a layer on another layer, you put a layer on the other layer. We'd, if you have billionaires who run your club and you can say, we can, we can spend as much as we like, we don't have that. So you've got to try and do it, I think, in a wee bit of a calculated way. I didn't buy MD in January. It wasn't because the club didn't want to buy it. It's because I couldn't find the ones I wanted. And we, we bid really big for top players. So, you know, I, I, I sort of get a bit annoyed when, when, when the people quite often blame, no, the board didn't buy it. Let me tell you, is they, they did. They tried to buy really good players. And what I'm trying to do now is buy really good players to help us become The middle bit in that, David Toys, is that they call it managing upwards. You're having to push back at your employers. And yeah. To, don't spend now because I'm particular. Yeah. That's not the right guy. No. Nearly, but he's not the right guy. You've Pushing got back and saying don't yeah. spend is no. it's a difficult it's art. And I'm saying, look, we don't want to buy a cheap player just to fill a space. I'd rather go without than do that because I'm trying to save your money for the for the what I hope I might come. No, I'm hoping we're in a transfer window. I'm hoping that I can I can do that. But we can't have to live or die by my decisions and how I do that. But we're we're buying at the moment. For to be in the top six, we're buying, trying to buy players to keep us in the top six and, and be better. I mean, for up until January last year, we were we were we were challenging for the top four, mm. and really, I'm more disappointed that I fell away from that. Can I ask you? I mean, in simple outside, yeah. maybe wrong yeah. depth of squads that some players get arrested and killer yeah. goals, yeah. and 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 maybe you finish top four, maybe yeah. depth of squad so yeah. that some guy can get arrested mentally and physically. And a guy with killer yeah. goals. Yeah. Well, if we had, if we had got probably, and I'm saying this, look, we had Mickey Antonio who started the season on fire, mm. round about mid end of November, his goals dried up, which can happen with centre forwards, and he didn't really get many goals back till April. So we needed the goal scorer in that in that period in the season when we weren't quite. And as well as that, what we were doing is we were in the quarter final of the Europa League, then the semi final, and trying to get to get through. So it was taking its toll a bit Thursday to Sunday. But we, I wouldn't name it, but the strikers we, we attempted to buy in January and, and went huge money for, but couldn't get. But that's partly because maybe we're not ready to get those players. Not us personally, but the co- players are still looking to say, hey, let's see how you do before I come mm. and join join you at West Ham. Mm. So that's why I'm saying is we've still got a level to go. We've still got a layer to go in my eyes at least, but we've got to try and keep building on the players we've got. Can we tie it up before tea time by asking you, I don't know if you want to share, but did you have a big message for the players once you flew back and you had to scrape them off the plane after Frankfurt where they must have been knackered to be flying back yeah. after a match, tired, you know, you're up in the yeah. air, injuries are, are yeah. worse up in the air, you probably land at four, yeah. you're, you're in your scratcher at six and then you might be training at 11 again. But did you, did you stop and say to the players, lads, this is a landmark moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think the biggest thing for me that night was that the players were really disappointed how they performed. Mm. And in truth, if if I look back at the semi-final, we probably threw it away in the first 30 seconds of the first game. We were chasing the game from 30 seconds in, which is, when you think about it, you're chasing the game. I I believe that we were better than Frankfurt and we should have been known. We had the abilities to do it, but we we didn't really... Do it on the two over the two games. No, we we got players sent off in the second game, which merely made it impossible to get back into it. 
So, but we learnt a lot from it. You no, know, we learnt that we're going to have to be a bit cuter. You know, uh, maybe a little bit less emotional, me included. You know, because that's part of it. So. So you caught the ball well, though, I would say. I, I know it. you can't say that. I thought you caught Actually, it beautifully. You no, know, know the best thing about it is uh, I was with Dean Smith, and Dean Smith said, it was just, you just had a bad touch like normal. <laughs> Liar. And, and I thought, oh, yeah, Liar. Yeah, that's what I should have said. It was just a bad touch, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, Well, bringing a go. sense of humour into it is good. Yeah, I hope good. I'm speaking to uh, this season's League Cup winner, FA Cup winner, Europa League uh, winner. To, I hope I am. Get, we need to get close to that. But you're in there, eh? No, yeah. It's been a pleasure meeting you in St Andrews. Um, it's not dinner we're off to, it's for a wee jog on the sands like Jarrett's a fire. Thank you for talking to the big interview again. Thank you.